We'd like to warn our listeners that this episode deals with topics of abuse, addiction, and death. Hello and welcome to your spiritual awakening. We're here to teach you the word of Godney and all about the legendary Miss Britney Spears. You're listening to episode three, where dreams come true. Okay, and we're back. We're back for episode three of Spiritual Awakening, and I have my dump him shirt on. So our Brittany question of the week is, what is your favorite Brittany slogan t-shirt? Now she's got lots. She's got future MILF or MILF in training. I think it was. She's got, obviously, Dump Him. She's got Move Bitch. That might be my favorite. Move Bitch? (laughs) Move Bitch. (laughs) I, too, am a huge fan of Move Bitch, especially in the pandemic. But I'm going to have to go with the cult classic Dump Him because, well, I mean, I'm wearing it right now. So I have to be loyal to Dump Him. And we will post pictures of these t-shirts on our website and maybe on our Instagram. We'll see. So be sure to check those out. They are in the show description. So are you ready? I always ask, are you ready? What if I'm not ready? Well, then I guess we'll just pack up and leave. (laughs) All right. Wow, we're really two comedians (laughs) out here. Okay, so, so last episode, I totally forgot to mention this, but... I want to clear some things up. Jamie was, according to Steve Dennis, dry from alcohol after the birth of Jamie Lynn. Last episode, we said that we didn't know whether or not he had stopped drinking, but turns out that he had. And this would maybe explain why Jamie Lynn has a different and, to us outsiders, much better relationship with her dad than Brittany. But I also have to ask, why did Jamie Lynn's birth affect him differently than Brittany and Brian? So remember, Dennis's theory was that Jamie started drinking because of, or started drinking in excess because of fatherhood, and that had triggered him into alcoholism. But then why not Jamie Lynn? So to me, that theory now kind of falls a bit flat, right? It just doesn't really make much sense to me when we factor in Jamie Lynn. I think maybe Dennis is trying to sensationalize things a little bit. As I said, when she was 11, going on 12, she auditioned again for the Mickey Mouse Club. So when Brittany left for Florida to film the Mickey Mouse Club, according to Lynn, quote, it seemed as though half the town modernized and got cable so they could watch her, end quote. Apparently it was very modern. It was too modern for Kentwood, I guess. But there was a smaller group of people, according to her, who thought they were crazy for even trying to do this. Lynn, in response to that, says, quote, The truth is, I didn't think much about Britney's future, if at all. My child had already realized her dreams in such an amazing way, what could possibly top being on national television. I felt that by shutting the doors that were opening to her, I would be locking down something essential and primal inside of her. In the end, I would not put a cage around that bird, end quote. I hate that quotation because it's ironic that she said she did not want to cage Brittany, yet 
she had a hand in putting Britney into arguably the worst cage of them all. In my opinion, the conservatorship is far, far worse than not allowing a young Britney to chase her dream of becoming a pop star. And Steve Dennis further describes their send-off to Orlando. Someone from Kentwood designed and printed t-shirts with Britney Spears fan club on them, which I thought was really cute. And the shop owners all around Kentwood displayed congratulations in their windows. At the ceremony, she sang the national anthem and brought tears to people's eyes when she sang, I will always love you. And they were so proud of her that the mayor at the time, Bobby Gill, issued an official proclamation for Britney Day. Oh my god. (laughs) Which I will read to you right now. Whereas this year, for the first time, the state of Louisiana has had a participant chosen, and she is one of ours. We have watched her grow and her talent mature, given with such warmth and noticeable enjoyment. Whereas the people of Kentwood and surrounding area wish to give tribute to this well-deserving young lady as she continues her work in Orlando, Florida. Therefore, I, Bobby Gill, mayor of the town of Kentwood, do hereby proclaim Saturday, April 24th, 1993, Britney Spears Day, and invite everyone to applaud her accomplishments and wish her great things as she takes this next exciting step in her promising career. Wow. Yeah. We should celebrate Britney Spears Day. And some background on the Mickey Mouse Club, which I will refer to as MMC. So the original Mickey Mouse Club debuted on ABC in 1955 and ran until 1959. Cartoons were a big part of the original show, and it was dubbed in five different languages. So it was pretty popular. The kids, like the Mouseketeers, wore mouse ears in the original show, but that was, that was no longer a thing when Britney was on. So season six, Britney's first season, 36 episodes were recorded, and then season season seven, which was her second and last season, they only showed one episode a week, and there were 44 episodes in total. So Britney was one of seven selected from 24 contenders who had been selected from a large group of 20,000 kids. She got 8.5 out of 10 marks for acting and dancing and an 8 for vocals. The show that they recorded was 30 minutes long and it was broadcasted daily throughout the states in her first season. And... The tryout was three days of tryout camp and then a five-minute audition. So they sang two songs, did a little dance, and then performed a comedy monologue. So Brittany was the youngest Mouseketeer ever. Her fellow Mouseketeers were Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, J.C. Chazay. I think that's how you... Maybe it's J.C. Chazay's... I don't know. And Carrie Russell. And JC and Justin were obviously in NSYNC. Christina Aguilera, we all know who she is, voice of a generation. And Ryan Gosling, The Notebook, a future Britney connection. And then Carrie Russell was, became an acclaimed actress, I believe. So at first on the show, Britney was only a backup singer and dancer, but she quickly got the chance to have a duet with Justin and sing a solo. And during that time, she realized she had a, quote, major love of music, end quote. 
I also forgot to mention that Lynn's mom, Brittany's grandma, the British one, had unfortunately suffered a series of small strokes on the operating table. And this happened when Lynn was in labor with Jamie Lynn, so it was right before Brittany went to New York. Although her mother survived and she was actually even able to visit them in New York, she passed away, sadly, two weeks into filming the Mickey Mouse Club Well. Brittany and Lynn and Jamie Lynn were in Florida. And the way she died was a bit strange. She died in Brittany's uncle Sonny's swimming pool. And they don't know what the cause was because they didn't get a... Autopsy? Autopsy, yes. They didn't get an autopsy. Because they didn't want to know. They didn't want to know. They didn't want to know. So, drowning... I guess. As we know, they were very poor and they could not afford the airfare home for the funeral. But, quote, God sent a good Samaritan in the form of Lynn Harles, end quote. That was Lynn's new friend who happened to be, and is still is, Justin Timberlake's mom. So JT's mom paid for their flight home so that they could attend the funeral, which was super nice of her and very generous. And Lynn said that she hid her mourning, quote, After all, as an alcoholic's wife, I had learned well how to put a good face on things no matter what was happening, end quote. So his mom is also named Lynn. Oh my god, was she? Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. So Justin, according to Lynn, was Brittany's childhood sweetheart. Now, Justin was actually Brittany's first kiss, and that happened in a game of Truth or Dare. Classic. Very classic. I think it was Spin the Bottle. It was like a combination of Spin the Bottle and Truth or Dare. Just funny. Anyway, Christina, Justin, someone named Ryan, Brittany, and Jamie Lynn all lived in an apartment complex with their moms for four, for four months at a time for two years. I believe it was the two months before summer vacation and then the summer that they would live in this apartment in Orlando. During this time, Lynn says that she hung out with all the moms. They had complete access to Disney World. And they were not allowed on set at all, except for during the days that they taped the show. So they weren't allowed to see the girls practicing or any of that. Why not? I don't know. No distractions, I guess? Hmm. Maybe stage parents can be very difficult. Yeah, they certainly can. According to Lynn, Christina and Brittany were, quote, thick as thieves, end quote. Lynn describes her as being another daughter to her, and she would go to Brittany's apartment for meals and sleepovers. Lynn says, quote, I am so proud of that girl and the woman she has become, end quote. So when Brittany went back home after filming was over, right, because they would be there for four months and then she'd obviously go back to Kentwood, she would hang out with Laura Lynn, who we talked about last episode, and Laura Lynn and Brittany learned how to drive when they were 13. That's definitely illegal. They were supposed to have a parent with them at all times, but they snuck out one day and drove around by themselves. Brian, Brittany's older brother, found out, snitched on her. She was punished, and she was super mad, according to Lynn. She was, like, huffing and puffing around, doing her punishment, cleaning the yard. 
Britney has always had a rebellious side. You know, people will see later on in the episode that she's described as a follower, a sheep, someone who will always listen to authority, but I don't really think that's the case. It's the Aquarius moon. Yeah. The rebellious streak. <laughs> she's also a Sagittarius, so, so are yeah. you surprised? So more about the show, it was in front of a studio audience and was comprised of comedy sketches that promoted things such as kindness, sharing, there were choreographed dances and singing, and it was the most watched afternoon series on the Disney Channel, which had 5.6 million cable subscribers. Another testament to its popularity was that there were 250,000 fan letters sent in. Their weekly schedule was three days of rehearsal, followed by, like I said, two days of filming. Now, obviously, Brittany learned a lot at the MMC. She learned how to work with TV cameras. She learned how to work with lighting and choreographers and directors. And most importantly, she learned how to relate to the audience, how to draw them in. That's why she is such an electrifying performer, right? She's been honing this skill since such a young age. And I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's a natural aptitude as well. The Mouseketeers were also expected to uphold a very clean image and represent Disney in the best way possible, so this was sort of her first lesson with PR. The show was a training ground for the kids. They learned singing, dancing, acting, comedy, and these numbers really helped Brittany to have a solid base for her pop star future. Now, when they were there, they of course had to do some school, and... The person in charge of that was Chuck Yerger. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. So Steve writes that he was the lead tutor and principal at what was called the Mickey Mouse School. In his interview, Chuck confesses, quote, I'll be honest, I didn't see instant star quality and I worried about what would become of her. I walked away thinking, this business is going to eat her up, end quote. He also says, quote, Nothing about her gave the impression that she was ready for this, and everything she radiated was that of an innocent babe in the woods, end quote. From the beginning, people have projected an aura of innocence onto Britney. Now, of course, when she released Baby One More Time, people also began to view her as sexy, which is already problematic in itself because she was, of course, a minor at the time. But it's made even worse by the fact that many wanted her to be this perfect blend of innocent and sexy. Now, I, I don't think I have to explain why that's kind of super disgusting. Back to how Chuck remembered Brittany. He said she was shy, had a, quote, passive curiosity, end quote, and a, quote, basic talent, end quote. Okay, a basic talent. I don't really know what that means, but to me, Brittany is not at all a basic talent, and I'm sure many people would agree. Now, this part's kind of gross, and it, it makes me kind of angry, but according to Dennis, Disney wanted girls who were prepubescent and, quote, a flat-chested 12-year-old wouldn't be retained if she suddenly turned voluptuous. Brittany's look encapsulated the sweet and innocent image Disney was all about, but she hadn't yet entered puberty, end quote. Now, I'm sure this is true, but why do you have to say it like that? I mean, something about his description is very, very creepy, and why the hell are we commenting on a little girl's state of puberty? 
I mean, I, I understand that he needs to touch on this because in my opinion, it is important to emphasize how image-based this all was. But at the same time, why do you have to say it like that? No, that's just a really disgusting way of putting it. And like, why are you talking about little girls' chests? Like, you can just say that you want young kids. You don't have to like make it about their bodies. Like, it's really creepy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's making it about their bodies. And that may be the case, but come on. But the way he describes it is just so, is like kind of nasty. Bad vibes. Yo, agreed. So Chuck didn't believe that Brittany could make it. He also did not believe in her mom's ability to make it in the business either. Although Brittany at this point was fairly experienced in the business, Chuck thought that none of that experience had been carried over with her to the MMC. He saw no passion in her eyes, believed that she lacked drive. Now, that's funny because last episode, I feel like we spent so long talking about how driven she was. So we're getting a conflicting image here. And I don't mean to confuse you guys because the thing is, we're confused too. The previous chapters were all about how Brittany wanted this so bad. And now we're getting the message that she actually didn't seem to want this at all. The show's choreographer remembers that Brittany had a, quote, exemplary, end quote, attitude and a, quote, intense focus, end quote. So that's more in line with what we learned before. Dennis argues, quote, it's unclear, if not doubtful, whether anything in Brittany's development emanated from her core, naturally and authentically. It seemed that everything was invested in the reverence she displayed towards adults and the performance she created, end quote. Now, this seems like a very unfair assessment to make of a child you never knew. It's also a bit harsh, and it seems as though they're describing Brittany as fake. Furthermore, clearly this respect for authority did not follow her through her adult years. I mean, even when she was a teenager, we know she was beginning to rebel against her parents. We just said when she was 13, she ran off with Laura Lynn to go driving around. I mean, obviously she's not obsessed with having adults praise her if she's doing stuff like that, you know? So it just seems like this book is sensationalizing the situation a little bit, but also I I think it's important to analyze these statements and as we've been saying this whole time, take them with a grain of salt. Now, Chuck also says that she was obsessed with doing things a certain way. She always wanted to please her teachers, but is this really that strange? I mean, is it really that strange as a kid to want to please your teachers? I know a lot of kids didn't care about school, but I certainly did. And I always wanted to please my teachers. A lot of my friends were the same way. Yeah, I think most kids want parental approval or teacher's approval. Yeah, it's not that weird, is it? No, not at all. It's pretty normal. Yeah. And didn't she say she's a perfectionist? Yeah. So that's just her being herself then. She just wants to do things a certain way. Now, according to Chuck, Brittany always handed in her homework to avoid being scolded by an adult. Or she was just a diligent student and a hard worker. I always handed in my homework. (laughs) What's wrong with handing in your homework all the time? What the hell? It's just frustrating because I feel like this assessment of Brittany is either completely out of whack or he's just using the wrong examples It was, quote, inconceivable, end quote, to Brittany that any adult could wrong her. 
okay, but she's 11 or 12. Aren't most kids her age still pretty trusting of adults? I mean, obviously, at that age, for most kids, I think that they sort of understand that people can be bad. There are bad guys out there. And of course, we learn that in school with um, when the police came and told us, you know, stranger stranger danger. danger. But also, if it's your parent or your teacher, you're supposed to be able to trust them. Is that so crazy that she trusted her teachers? Is it? Now, the psychotherapist also calls her a, quote, sheep, end quote. A what? A a sheep. Oh, yeah, a sheep. She calls her a sheep. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty rude. And said that all of this, like Brittany handing in her homework and being a good student, was an attempt at control due to the fact that she had such a tumultuous childhood. I am not an expert, but this is also harsh, presumptuous, and at the same time... She was burned so badly by her mother and father consistently throughout her childhood. Do you really think that she was that trusting of adults? Wouldn't that make you distrust adults? Yeah. If anything, I mean, it's just a conflicting message when you compare it to what Dennis has been writing. Now, she also had insecurities about her looks. She wanted to look like Carrie Russell. A lot of kids had insecurities at that. I think every kid has insecurities at that age. She thought her nose was too big. She was concerned about her acne and her crooked teeth. Chuck says she was, quote, more cute and adorable than noticeably pretty or striking, end quote. Yeah, well, she is a child, so. Not only that, but why are you commenting on a little girl's looks? I just want to point out that Donatella Versace has said that Britney is more beautiful than all of the models. Really? Yes. <laughs> Damn. So, if they didn't keep up with their schoolwork and grades, they weren't allowed to perform. Now, maybe this is why she was so insistent on doing everything right in regard to schooling. You know? Yeah, makes maybe- sense. <sighs> I mean, are we crazy here or are they stupid? I don't know. Now, Chuck is also adamant that Lynn is not a stage mom and never was. Apparently, she was really, really invested in Britney's education. And because of this, it seemed Britney got mainly straight A's in school. Now, Dennis insists that Britney was, quote, only average in terms of academic ability, end quote, because it's not too hard to get straight A's in middle school. And now I don't know about that. It's been a long time since I've been in middle school, but I can't, I don't remember it being the easiest thing ever. No, I guess it depends where you go. Apparently her curriculum didn't require much thinking. Well, I honestly can't remember too much critical thinking skills being taught until maybe late high school even. Most schooling until then is pretty much based on memorization and a regurgitation of facts. Even in grade 12 English, I remember writing the essays, like the hamburger essays. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I remember that method. I mean, the (laughs) amount of critical thinking required for that is probably, on a scale of 1 to 10, like a 0.5. I didn't even know what critical thinking, like, meant until university. (laughs) Right, so why are we expecting a 12-year-old Britney Spears from Kentwood, Louisiana, to have amazing critical thinking skills? Of course, she was already an amazing dancer, and the choreographers said that she really added something special to all the dance numbers that she was included in. 
The choreographers also pointed out that although Brittany didn't necessarily have a, quote, fire, end quote, in her eyes, she most certainly had a very concentrated and thus quiet focus. Unfortunately, after season six, the show started to fizzle out as a result of changing perceptions of Disney. It was no longer seen as cool or hip and could not keep up with the changing trends, namely the increase of sex in pop culture. Thank God. I didn't want a sexified MMC. Now, of course, Christina and Britney were devastated when the show ended. After only two seasons, this was 1996, Britney was around 14. They had become very close friends. And at that age, you form super close bonds. And, you know, it seems like... It's like when you're not in a class with your best friend in middle school. You think to yourself, well, I guess I'm never seeing you again, <laughs> right? She went back to Kentwood. And according to her mother, she, quote, just wanted to go back to being a regular kid. Or at least that's what she thought she wanted, end quote. Now, Brittany did things like attending school prom, homecoming dances, and she was even voted junior high most beautiful. So, fuck you, Chuck. Suck it, Chuck. She ran aerobic classes at the family gym and went to the movies with her friends. Now. I keep saying now. That's my new favorite word. Now. <laughs> Let's talk about Mr. Reg Jones. His actual name is Donald, but we're going to call him Reg. Before she even met him, when Brittany was 13, her family went to a local pastor for counseling because, as Lynn would say, Jamie's drinking had been out of control. The pastor said, quote, If that young lady and her daddy don't resolve their issues and he doesn't try harder to establish a good, strong relationship with her, she will end up clinging to the first real romance in her life. That man will be of extreme importance in her life, and that relationship will determine the course of all her relationships with men from then on, end quote. Now, is this BS or not? I don't know, because this is a pastor, and no offense to pastors, but they're not exactly licensed therapists. So, most people would assume that Brittany's first relationship was Justin Timberlake, and you may be right. I mean, he was certainly her first crush, or at least she said so. But her first relationship was actually with a local Kentwood guy, or man, actually, yes, man, named Reg Jones. So Steve Dennis writes that she had met him when she was 14 after she had returned home from Orlando. It was very casual, it didn't mean a lot to her, and was not at all a formative relationship. So I'm not sure how Steve Dennis would know this. The only person who would know this is Brittany. So she was in a relationship when she was 14? Yes. With a man? He was 18. Uh, Oh. I think 17 going on 18. And when she was 14, he was 18. No. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, absolutely not. I know. That's nasty. No, that's just wrong. So they started dating. I think they went to prom together. Can you imagine going to prom and one of your friends, their date is a 14-year-old? That would be so weird. Well, yeah, of course. Like, you just... Like, when you're 18, you are not attracted to 14-year-olds. He was apparently the handsome captain of the football team. He was also friends with Brian. According to the Daily Mail UK, not the best source, but Brittany dated Reg while she was in high school. And her mother encouraged this relationship because she thought it would make Britney more popular. 
Now, she spent a lot of time at Reg's house and eventually lost her virginity there. Now, I really did not want to speculate on Brittany's virginity because, first of all, it's been talked about to death. Second of all, who cares? None of our business. None of our business. And also, she was 14. I don't really want to talk about this, but I feel like it's an important conversation to have because it's not about Brittany. It's about how her mom and her dad failed as parents and also exploited her by revealing this stuff to the press. That's fucked up. The source is said to be Lynn Spears. I mean, who knows if it actually was, but if they did, that is mega fucked up. Isn't that statutory rape? I don't know because it's in Louisiana, so I don't know the laws there, but maybe. Probably. In that same article, which is about Lynn's book, Through the Storm, this was in 2008, right before Through the Storm was to be published. And they say that Lynn reveals in the book that her daughter lost her virginity age 14 to an 18-year-old high school football player and that she began drinking at 13 and took drugs at 15. I cannot find this in through the storm maybe i somehow missed it i will update every episode whether or not i actually found this quote so this might be total bullshit i guess we'll find out if so though if your child is drinking at 13 that's not a her problem that's a you problem Mm -hmm. sorry not sorry but what the actual hell she's 13 you can do something absolutely you can do something especially since she seems to have known about it i mean what Yep, and you should not be discussing your daughter's virginity No, to the public. No, 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 no. It's all horrible. It's all horrible. Okay, so Brittany's back home. She's dating Reg Jones. She realizes she does not want to be normal. She starts being homeschooled. Jamie, quote, vowed to anyone who would listen that his Brittany was going to make it and he'd do whatever it took. His own limitations were never something with which he wanted to curse Brittany, end quote. Now, Jamie, of course, was 100% on board with Brittany starting her career at 14 or 15 because, quote, he wanted his daughter to succeed and many times he would find a way to make it happen. When we didn't have money to travel to an audition, Jamie would often pull it out of a hat somehow, borrowing it from friends and paying them back as soon as he was able. In terms of Brittany and her dreams, he never left her stranded, end quote. Okay, Lynn. Right, he never left her stranded. (laughs) Okay. No, he just kept her in a little cage. When Brittany was 14, uh, one of Len's friends told her about an audition in New York for an all-girl band. That would be Justin Timberlake's mom, who was trying to form a girl group called Innocence. I see your face. (laughs) I'm disgust. So Len's friend Margaret traveled with Brittany to New York for the audition, But both Brittany and Margaret felt that the contact in New York was a creep. However, he did introduce Brittany to Larry Rudolph. And in parentheses here, I said, LMAO, who isn't a creep? In in the industry? Or just ever? No, no, no. Like, LMAO, Larry isn't a creep? Larry's a total creep. And all Brittany fans know this. Oh, okay. He was an entertainment lawyer and he would end up becoming Brittany's agent. Lynn sent Larry an instamatic photo of Britney and a tape of her singing at a wedding, and he responded with, quote, We may have something here, end quote. She then recorded a song that had been rejected by Tony Braxton, 
which then led to him arranging a meeting in New York with some record labels. So since they were in the gutter financially, according to Lynn, they couldn't afford the money to fly to New York, but Larry paid. So Brittany did end up going to the audition. She auditioned for Jive Records a cappella, which Lynn says she was not prepared for, and she sang Whitney Houston's version of Amazing Grace. Now this apparently blew the men away. She sounded like, again, Aretha Franklin. Quote, soulful and pure, end quote. Note the word pure. Ugh. Now, in regard to her voice, Lynn says, quote, in my mind, that's what her real voice sounds like. A wholesome, powerful sound. Not like the breathy, super-produced pop voice given to her by record producers. Before the recording studios tinkered with that big, bold voice, my sweet girl could blow the roof off of a house with her strength and passion. (sighs) My prayer for Britney, then and now, is that she regains her once strong, true voice again, in more ways than one, end quote. Sorry, couldn't help but read that last part with a bit of sarcasm. Cause guess what, Lynn? She's found her voice, and she wants to fucking sue you. (laughs) (laughs) So Mercury Records ended up rejecting Britney, but Jive signed her to a recording contract. And Lynn says of the signing, ever since then, quote, more than once in the next few years, my precious child would hit the wall and the impact would have painful reverberations for every member of the family, end quote. Right, really painful. Like when she bought a fucking condo that you guys stay at while she's forced to stay in rehab against her will. Or maybe when she built you a freaking mansion. That was real painful. So painful. I bet that was like the worst thing you've ever had to go through. How could you, Brittany? How could you do that to your family? Lynn leaves out a few details, or maybe she just forgot what happened regarding the the record label situation. But Steve Dennis says that Michael Kaplan of Epic Records said that Britney was, quote, cosmetically challenged, had no presence, and for me, showed no hunger. I was expecting a true artist, and in walked a shy little girl, end quote. Right, she's super cosmetically challenged. God, I hate everyone in this fucking book. Why are they so goddamn rude? Now, Jeff Fenster of Jive Records says that Britney had, quote, the eye of the tiger, end quote, end quote, her vocal ability and commercial appeal caught me right away, end quote. Kaplan, in response to that, argues that what Fenster saw was a, quote, ham puppet, and that it could have been any number of girls stood in her shoes in the right place at the right time, end quote. So I'm a girl. You're a girl. <laughs> uh, yeah. Could you have done what Britney did? No No. fucking way. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Britney undeniably has the it factor. I mean, come on. She's a performer whose status has been compared to that of Madonna and Michael Jackson, both of whom have multiple times publicly recognized her talent and star quality. In any case, Kaplan was wrong because Britney went on to become one of the biggest pop stars ever and the biggest teen pop star So at age 15, she signed the developmental deal with Jive. And then at 16, she was sent to New Jersey and then Sweden to work with writer-producer, legend icon Max Martin, who had already created hits for Backstreet Boys and Ace of Bass. Brittany continued her education throughout recording. For those of you wondering, people always ask me about her schooling. Well, there you have it. Max Martin says Britney, quote, took things to another level, end quote, when it comes to her talent. 
At the time that Brittany was sent to New Jersey, Lynn was teaching at an elementary school and Jamie Lynn was in kindergarten, which meant that Lynn couldn't just go leave to help Brittany because, I mean, she had to raise a child. So she sent her friend Felicia Kulota, who worked as a dental hygienist in Kentwood. Felicia Kulota? Sorry, the pronunciation is is hard. <laughs> Lynn didn't go because she, quote, knew Jamie Lynn needed me more, end quote. Okay, <laughs> I understand that we're talking about a child here, but it's just funny. This quote is funny to me because I feel like it reflects the current situation. I mean, is that why Lynn kept quiet all these years? Because Jamie Lynn needed that cash cow more than Brittany needed to regain her rights in personhood? So while Brittany is signing this record deal back in Kentwood, their marriage is falling apart even more. Finances become extremely tight more than ever before. The phone company even turned their phone off. To emphasize how bad of a father and husband Jamie had become, we're going to jump forward a little bit. When Brittany came home from Europe, they were planning a birthday party for Jamie Lynn. Jamie was supposed to come home from work. He worked on site a lot for construction, so he was gone um, most of the time. And he was supposed to cook for the party. Apparently, he is an amazing cook. He ended up not coming, but Lynn hadn't even told Jamie Lynn that Jamie was coming in the first place. So she was constantly covering for Jamie, who missed his young daughter's birthday party. Like, he just backed out of it. I mean, you cancel on your little girl, that's horrible. But this is maybe why Jamie Lynn has a better relationship with him. Because Lynn covered for his ass. Now back to Europe. Brittany spent a few months in Sweden recording Baby One More Time, which was a TLC reject. Brittany, while in Europe, wrote many letters to Reg, and, you know, she would write normal correspondences. And these are all alleged letters. I don't know if anybody has confirmed them. And by anybody, I mean Brittany, because that's the only person I would trust to confirm that she actually wrote these. In one letter... She calls him a, quote, caring friend who fucks me whenever you like, end quote. Yeah, and Brittany was super, super pure and innocent. Innocent. Oh my god. Isn't she 14 in this? Yeah. 15, 15. She chews him the fuck out in this letter. Um, She says, quote, remember no matter what, I'll always care about you. You asshole. (laughs) End quote. Which I thought was really funny because, I mean... It's just such classic teenage stuff, right? And then she broke up with him over a letter. Nice. Or she broke up with him through a letter. She writes, quote, I think we both know this was coming, end quote. And she says she's not in love with him anymore. Good for her. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad, though. Dump him. Wait. Dump him. I totally forgot that he was 18 when she was 14. Never mind. Fuck him. It's not sad. (laughs) It's not sad at all. I'm so happy she's done with him. Before Baby One More Time was to be sent to radio in October, Brittany was to do a tour of 26 shopping malls that summer. They even set up a website, which was a big deal back then, and had tons of postcards for a promotion. The mall tour was a four-song set, and she had two backing dancers. The tour was meant to keep the song in the, quote, public unconscious, end quote. At this time, Johnny Wright joined Britney's team as her manager. He had worked with Janet Jackson and the Backstreet Boys. Wade Robson was also on Britney's team at this time as her choreographer. He was the person who choreographed Slave for You. 
Jamie Lynn and Lynn had traveled a bit with Brittany during this model tour, but as we know, Lynn had had, quote, bigger fish to fry at home, end quote. So Felicia, again, traveled with Brittany and Jamie Lynn and Lynn went back to Kentwood. So their financial troubles got so bad that in July, they filed for bankruptcy. And this is the man who is in charge of Brittany's estate. Can you believe that? They closed Total Fitness by Jamie. By this time, they had defaulted on a $53,000 mortgage for some land, which was seized and auctioned off. They had also had their Ford seized. They owed more than ten grand to Ford, so they filed for bankruptcy. Of this situation, Lynn writes, quote, Nothing could have saved us from the financial canyon we had gotten ourselves into, and certainly Brittany couldn't save us, nor did we want her to, end quote. According to Lynn, they never knew Brittany would have a hit record. They never knew that she would become as wealthy as she would. Now, at this point, she had only received $500 from Jive because she was more of in a trial period than a full-blown recording contract. So there are many, many people that have demo deals, right? Mm -hmm. And most of them don't pan out. Saying they didn't want her money is funny, though. Oh, it's hilarious. Because clearly you do want her money. Clearly. Quote, we never felt for a moment that it was our child's responsibility to dig us out of that financial grave, end quote. Right, as you Uh just said. (laughs) Why take her money for the past 13 years? Why have a conservatorship over her estate if you don't care about money? And we're going to end this on a good note, I guess. The family, quote, prayed that the song would somehow notch the top 40 charts, end quote. They had no faith in Britney. Okay, that wasn't really a positive note, was it? That was not <laughs> positive. <laughs> but there we go. So Britney went and recorded the album with Max Martin. She did her mall tour. And at this point, they are getting ready to release the song. So she performed the song before it was released. Right? A lot of people don't realize that. Baby One More Time was already... It wasn't out, but many people had already heard it before it was on radio. Hmm. Interesting. And that's one of the factors that catapulted it to number one. Of course, the iconic music video, we'll discuss that next episode. But what are your thoughts? Lots of thoughts. What's your name? What's your main thought? My main thought is her family seems really obsessed with money. Oh, yeah. My main thought is that... Brittany has horrible parents. That too. Yep. (laughs) I mean, she just seems to be getting in a lot of trouble. Which is obviously okay. I mean, come on, all kids get in a little trouble. All Mm -hmm. kids have moments. But, I mean, okay, listen. If she was going to date Reg, she was going to date him. And... You can't really stop your teenager from doing stuff like that. No. But if it's true that Lynn encouraged this because it would make her more popular, that makes Lynn an even worse parent than I had previously thought her to be. Yeah. That's just just horrible. That just suggests that Lynn wanted her to be famous, even though she keeps saying, like, oh, it's what Britney wanted. It's not what I wanted. Yeah. Like, doubt. Big doubt. No, that's a great point. Obviously, dating the local football star is not going to make you famous, but 
You're right. She seems to be obsessed with Brittany being at the top of the ladder. Yeah. It's weird. Sad. It's definitely sad. I'm also getting such conflicting messages from everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm just so confused. Was Brittany really, really shy, but also super driven? Or was she really shy and didn't want this at all? And her mother was pushing her into it. Oh, but also her mom's not a stage mom at all. Don't worry. And she has a fire in her eyes, but she's also a puppet and all this stuff. Like, (sighs) this is why one day... Brittany needs to write a mysterious book like she said she would and tell us everything that she wants to. Yeah. Of course, everything that she's comfortable with. Because I want to hear her truth. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of learning about Brittany from people who aren't Brittany. Yeah. Really ironic because that's exactly what we're doing. But <laughs> we're just a placeholder because mark my words, one day she will write a mysterious book. Yep. And it will be so much better than what we're doing right now. And then we can make a podcast about her book. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, baby. So my mom just got home. So gotta go, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Spiritual Awakening. That's S P E A R I T U A L. And check out our website at spiritualawakening.wixsite.com slash podcast for all of our sources, Brittany updates, and more. See you next time, and may the Holy Spirit guide you.